Good morning, Freedom Center Church. Man, it's good to see you guys. It's fun to be here. I want to uh, start today by just simply making a, a public confession. The Bible says that we should confess uh, things, and so today's, here's my confession. Um, boy, it's awfully quiet. You're expecting something really great, aren't you? <laughs> um, I'm a pastor. It was funny. That means something. That means I'm not a prophet. That means I'm not an apostle. That means um, I, maybe pastor, teacher is all in the same vein. That you're an evangelist. It's like, I, I, guess, I guess I'm coming to realize and settle into some of the things that I am. And I want to confess to you guys, because I think it might help it make more sense to you when I say to you that my primary office gift that, that the Holy Spirit has given to me to operate in is, is that, that gift of pastor and teacher. And it's strange because with that, it's kind of like, like you weren't a father, but then you had a baby and now you are. There, there's something that comes with that identity. Does that make sense? It's not a, it's not a new title. It's a new identity. It's a, it's, a, it's a reality. And so my reality is when I look at you, I don't, I don't see numbers. I see stories. When I look at you, I don't see potential to be used. I, I see people in various places of need and contentment and discontentment and falling in love and you know, healing from the wreckage of, of past love. And, and, I, and I, just, I, I just want you to know something, that when I teach the word of God, I'm teaching you as a pastor teaches. Does that, does that connect with you? You know what I'm saying when I say that? So I want to confess that to you because you're like, yeah, I think sometimes the pastor should stand up and declare the word of God like the prophets of Israel. I'm like, then go get a prophet. Go to Israel. And, and I'm not, by the way, I love those words. I love those declaring voices in the body of Christ, don't you? But I, I'm settling into this, this fact that, that as a pastor, um, I, I wish I could pastor you. I wish that with all my heart, uh, one of these days I've threatened to my wife, when we retire someday, when we're in the way here and we're, we're no longer gonna be the, the people to lead this charge, let's go to some town of like 20 people and just love them all. Let's, let's sit on their front porches and eat their cookies and drink their lemonade. Let's, let's marry their young and bury their dead. Let's, let's teach the word. Let's, everything that's their concern, make it our concern and just pastor 20 people. How many guys think that sounds really good? Anybody else that sounds good to you? That sounds so good to me. But the reality is that... that what I have left in my life now for the past 25 years, as far as pastoring goes, is I don't often get to pastor you. I get to pastor the people that pastor you. I get to pastor the pastors. I get to pastor the group leaders. I get to pastor the altar workers. I get to pastor a smaller group of people so that larger things can happen. I get to pastor other pastors, which has been crazy. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. The same week that I'm accused of being a 91-year-old Korean war veteran is the same week... <laughs> that a peer of mine, I said, you know, blah, 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 just, hey, man, I believe in you. I've been spending some time with him, helping him through some tough stuff, and first time senior pastor at him. But he's, he's got to be mid-40s, I would guess. And I said, you know, as a brother in the Lord, and, and he, just, he said, like, can I just stop you? I said, what? He goes, I don't see you as a brother in the Lord. I'm like, you don't think I'm in the Lord, or you don't think I'm your brother? He said, no, you just feel more like a father to me. And I went, oh, what a nice thing to say. I'm spending a lot of time pastoring pastors. I'm, I'm actually spending a fair amount of time pastoring other congregations as well. And, and that doesn't mean that, that I'm not, like my heart isn't like boom here. But understand this, guys. When, I, when I'm teaching you what I'm gonna teach you today, I'm teaching you because I really want you to win. I've, I've got some big ideas. How many of you guys have known me long enough to know that I have some big ideas? One of my greatest big ideas you are the central focus of. And it's, it's simply this. I, one of my big ideas is to reach the world through a congregation that is so stinking loving. Come on, so loving. Undeniably hug you whether you like it or not, loving. So, so um, blessed. 
so healthy in their relationships and their souls and their mental health, so prosperous, and, and not just prosperous, but generous, right? It's coming in, but it's going out. So strong, so wise, that the world around us asks us how, and we get to answer the question with who. Like, I got a big idea. How are we gonna win the world? What, what crusade do we need? What mass gathering? What collection of the churches? I, I'm all for all of those things. But I've got this big idea that if we get this right, other people will come to Jesus too. And if we don't get this right, I think it's a good reason to point at the church and go, yeah, they don't have anything I don't. They're as unfunctional, dysfunctional, misfunctional as the world around them. So this is why I'm constantly saying to you, let's elevate ourselves beyond the petty divisions of the world around us and make Jesus our king. So the rhythms, we're in a series called Rhythms. And by the way, let me just go back because I think this is cool and you don't know it. That, that graphic right there is Brett Carlton who was playing guitar over here, I think, today. Um, that's him saying the word rhythms. And they took a picture. Is that just cool? There's no bearing on the message, but isn't that cool? I like that, right? So <clears throat> we're gonna talk about rhythms today. And, and I just want you to remember this. As we talk about rhythms, I am never talking about habits and disciplines as if they themselves created what I'm talking about. The habits of the rhythm, the, the, the rhythms of the rhythm, the behaviors of the rhythm, like it's, understand this, that, that the fruit that we're looking for comes from the root of relationship with our God. If I pray an hour a day, and I, but, I, but I'm not connected to the one I'm supposed to be praying to, then I'm, I'm just sitting quietly in a room. I might as well call it meditation. I might as well call it Christian yoga. I might as well call it wasting my time because I'm not talking to God. I'm probably just talking to me. If I'm not talking to a God who's bigger than my problems, I'm not praying. I'm, I'm worrying. I'm a pastor. I'm not here to step on your toes. I'm here to break both your legs, I guess, this morning. So, so today I want to talk to you about living from instead of for. Say this with me. Living instead of for. We have this idea that in order to be a good Christian, why is the word good in there? To be a good Christian, I have to live a good life and do good things, abstain from the bad things because I have to be better than the people around me. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Can I tell you something? Some of the people I know that love God the most are still struggling with their own sins. But isn't it wonderful that, that 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 weakness brings with it a humility that kind of diminishes the religiosity that nobody likes anyway? They're honest about what they're going through, what they are, what they're not, how they feel. If they're having a bad day, they say, how's it going? Then they go, fine. You know, freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, fine. They just say, man, I'm really not having a good day. Like, really, can I ask about that? How many guys appreciate people that ask the question behind the question? How you doing? Fine. Like, I know you well enough to know you're lying to me. How you feeling? How are you? No, I'm, 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 I'm really good. <laughs> How many guys know if you were buying a car and you asked the person this question, does it run good? And he goes, yeah, uh, pretty good. You're not buying the car. I'm not buying your answer. You're not doing good. So shut your pie hole and tell me what's going on. And you start talking. Listen, how many guys appreciate people like that? If we can create an atmosphere where people can be real, raw, incomplete, in process, angry, hurt. How many guys know it might be more attractive to people that have those issues? You know, those people, not us, we're perfect, but those people that are out there. There's a basic rhythm to life that when we live from God, not for God, I have to please him, I have to keep up, I have to, that's the way slaves think about their masters, not the way sons think about their fathers. God moves from and then we move. God speaks, and from his words, we speak. God loves, and from that love, we love. God forgives, and from that forgiveness, we forgive. We don't live for God. 
I, I know that's a popular statement. I'm, I'm living for God now. I, and, I, and I get what you're saying. I'm not demeaning the thought of it, but I understand a better way to say that is I'm not living for God anymore. I'm living from God now. I'm right with him because Jesus has made me right with him and from that I live. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and from that power I live. I, I'm, I'm loved by God and from that love I love. I don't live for God trying to earn his favor. I walk in the favor of God and that's the basis of my life. So Paul's gonna deal with this in Romans as he deals with just about everything in my life in Romans. Romans chapter eight, which is by the way, one of the greatest chapters in all of scripture. It doesn't make sense without the first seven, doesn't make sense without the next four, but it's a really great chapter as a standalone. And look what he says here, talk about living from instead of living for. Romans 8, chapter, four, uh, chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, let me just know, that, that's already a huge statement, but that's not where he's gonna end up. That, that's like, it looks like a finish line, it's not. That's where Paul's gonna eventually plant his pole vault stick and go flying. But, but that statement alone, that if, if God is the, the breath, God is the movement, we're living from him, if we're being led by the Spirit, not, gee, do I wear this shirt or another shirt? Do I iron this or do I not iron this? Holy Spirit, speak to me. I'm paralyzed until you speak. Choose your breakfast, guys. Come on. Choose your tie. Choose not to wear a tie. Choose a dress. Unless you're a dude, then don't choose a dress. I mean, there's, these, are, these are simple things, right? But, but when it comes to, like, what is propelling it? What's the current that my boat is currently in? What's the wind that's moving, that's blowing me, that's moving me? Those who are led by this relational fruit that comes from this relational root of being known by God, living from him, will be known as the children of God. Now, the spirit you receive, let's go back <clears throat> before that statement in time. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Now, understand this. A slave is in constant fear. Why? Because there's no blessing. There's only consequence. Why is a slave in constant fear? There's no blessing for doing a job well done. There's only a consequence if they don't. When a slave hears his master's voice, he doesn't go, oh, what good thing's about to happen? He thinks I'm being called upon to do something I don't wanna do for someone who doesn't love me. And if I do it poorly, I'll, I'll be abused, I'll be beaten, but I will never be loved. I, that nothing I can do can make me more than what they see me as. And can I say something to you? Please hear me. Many of us live as slaves of God instead of sons of God for the same reason. I'm trying to pastor, you okay? It's like a really big counseling session, but are we doing okay, you guys all right? How many guys are glad that person behind you just heard that because they need this, you know? <laughs> the Pentecostal pitchfork. <clears throat> so he's talking about our past. Like we're not going back to the legal stuff where there is no blessing, there's only consequence. We're not going back there. The spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves to the fears, it, 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 it makes you engaged in the promises. The blessings that are waiting. Why? Because we're in relationship. We're not under legal obligation to perform, right? So rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption, interesting word, adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, basically Papa, something that can be said by a child very easily, something that isn't inappropriate to be said by an adult child to their father, Papa. Hey, Papa, it's not like that's a bad thing, right? Abba, it's not Dada. It's not Father. It's an endearing nickname for a paternal figure in their life. And so it says this. It doesn't say you earned your way. It isn't like, it's like you know, the, the king came to the orphanage and said, okay, I demand to be entertained. And one of you entertained him more than the other. And you were cleaner and better looking and had whiter teeth and a stronger you know, bones and shinier coat. He's not, this is not the humane society. God looked at humanity, pointed his finger at every single one of us and said, I choose those who will believe and choose me. You're all chosen. Every, everyone's called. 
Everyone, literally, the table is prepared for you. God loves you. Jesus has lived sinlessly, died an atoning death, defeated death, hell, and the grave. Everything that ever whipped you, he has whipped for you. And now by trusting him, it's as if you succeeded, even though you failed, because he succeeded where you did fail and gave you his success and took your failure upon the cross. So hear me. He's saying this, by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, when we're forgiven, in this analogy, adopted, chosen, I choose you, you respond, I'll, I'll take you up on that. This, you know, who's your daddy? You, right? And we walk in the rhythms of the spirit, we were talking about earlier in this verse, we become much, much more. Here's where he's gonna plant his pole vault stick. Next verse. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We've already established that, have we not? But look what he says. And, and prepare to be like shoot danged, Right? Now, if we are children, then, everybody say then. Yeah. We're heirs. Now, we think of heirs as when somebody dies, we get the inheritance. That's, that's not the context of this word culturally. If you belong to the family, then what the family owned, you owned. We're heirs of who, by the way? We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed... The family business, which sometimes involves a lot of suffering, sacrifice, faith, tribulation, imprisonment, beating, crucifixion. That's all in the family, yes? But understand this, also in the family, you gotta hear this. Everything that Jesus moved in, you have access to now. Everything God has, you have access to now. A credit card's a terrible thing, but you wanna talk about a platinum card? You know, we're not borrowing. We, it's a debit card. Let's just do it that way. It's a debit card from heaven with an unlimited resource attached to it because of a loving father who gave it to you. We're talking about money? Uh, yes, but no. What we're talking about is identity. Hear me. When you know who you are, Adam Cook, famous statement, best thing he ever said, besides I love you, Pastor Jim, you're my favorite pastor in the whole world. He said it with his eyes, but I, I heard it with his heart. He said, when you know who you are, somebody finish it. What is it? You'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So think of it this way. The orphanage in which we've been raised pre-Christ, we had to engage in certain behaviors that were unchrist-like because we're surviving. If we have no father, then it's up to us. If we have no savior, then it's up to us. If we have no protector, then it's up to us. And years ago, I had a conversation with Tammy Cromer, who heads up uh, with her husband, Dave, and a, a great cadre of leaders and staff and people, a ministry called Clara's Hope that helps with adoptive and uh, foster care. And when I say help, that's a small word for a huge series of things that they do. But, but in this, I said, so when someone gets taken from their dysfunctional home and placed in a functional home, what are they going through? And these are some of the answers that she gave me. And, and I would say that reference because I think in a lot of ways, if you didn't know you had a good daddy, you'd live the same way. If you don't know you have a protector, a provider, someone who cares about your name, someone who cares about your heart, then you are all you have. And if you're out of control, you're in very real danger. So we get things like fear. What is fear? Fear is a, a, an adrenalized fight or flight. It's, it's, a, it's a, a thought that what that is is bigger than what I am, and I have to make a decision. Am I gonna run from it? Am I gonna face it? And if you know, if you live in constant fear because everything's out of your control and you don't trust those who have control, not that we have that in our political system at all, but I mean, it's other countries, other lesser countries, right? We have fear because the economy, you know, any day now, the whole thing's gonna fall apart and your home's gonna be worthless. And we, we've drawn all the negative things that ever happened to us before to create a reality that isn't even real in our present. Why? Because if I'm afraid of it, it can't surprise me the way it did the first time. So we walk, we live in fear, an orphan. Worry, what's worry? That's just fear is what I'm afraid of today, worries about what I'm afraid of tomorrow. 
we live with the pressure of that hoarding. And I don't mean hoarding as in, you know, there's a box of Twinkies and they're all missing and there's, there's a lump in the kid's pillow. I, I mean emotional hoarding. You hurt me. And as a form of self-defense control, manipulation, and creating a world in which I'm safe, I now hold against you and anybody like you anything that you would ever do. I will not forgive because to forgive you is to make myself vulnerable once again. Anger. What is anger? Uh, anger is not a primary emotion. No one just starts with anger. You're angry because something happened. Does that make sense? You guys are quiet. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Help me out. Okay, so I'm, I'm angry. What am I angry about? Because my wife was nicer to that guy than she was to me. Well, I'm not angry. I'm jealous. And I reached for anger because anger gave me some sort of a powerful thing to insert myself to take control that I felt like I lost. You scared me. You're talking to all these people about leaving the church and how I'm a heretic and this and that. And so I'm angry at you. I'm not really angry at you. It's, it's, it's a fear and an insecurity that what you're saying might be true and I, I might be known as the fraud that a part of me still believes I am. Too real? So I'm mad at you. I'm not really mad at you. You're exposing something in me that doesn't look like Jesus. It's still very much alive even though it should have died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And so I reach for anger. Why? It makes me more powerful. Someone affects my kids. Someone affects my family. Someone affects my church. My reaction almost always is not, well, bless them. It's like, bless you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to, it's a little more angry, right? Manipulation, what's that? I'm going to take these other tools that are on this, this left side here, and I'm going to use them to create a reality that isn't real in which I still get to be okay. So I'll use the truth against you. I'll use lies against you. I'll use fear against you. I'll use, how? Because I, I, I want this to turn out the way I want this to turn out. This is survival in the orphanage. Stealing. Listen, buddy, if nobody's going to provide for me, God, if you're not going to provide for me, I'll cheat on my taxes. Got to feed my kids. So yes, you instituted the government. Yes, sir, but I, I don't believe it anymore. I'm done with it. I'm not paying it. Why? It's, it's, I'm going to steal from you, from them, from us. Why? Because I am all that I have to provide for me. And so I will steal. Why? Because I don't have a father that gives a rip about me. And so I am all that I have. Dishonesty. I reject your reality and substitute it with my own. Any Mythbuster fans here? That went over everybody's head. Insecurity. Does this shirt make me look fat? Like, no, it's not the shirt. You know what I mean? Insecurity. <laughs> right? And, and really, over all these things, I think it comes down to this last one. It's just a need for control. Because if I'm not in control, I'm in danger. So I reach, let me just say something, guys. People that live like this are always exhausted. Their souls are frail. Their prayers are small. And they're far from God. Even though God loves them, even though they may be saved, just because a child comes out of an abusive home and is now adopted doesn't mean they know how to live as a son. Because they learned how to survive in an orphanage. And the behaviors of, they come out of being loved and being provided for and being saved can sometimes take years to develop, if ever. That's true of a foster child. That's true of an adopted child. That's true of every child of God. So we have to learn these things. Now, Paul is talking about us being led by the Spirit and being free from all this stuff and moving to the next thing. So we're going to make an assumption that if Paul said it in Scripture, it's true. Somebody say amen. So what if we went from orphans to being sons? And ladies, I apologize. Sons is just, that's the context of the Scripture. But please, wherever you see son, insert sexist pastor and put your own gender in there, Okay. So what happens to fear when we're adopted by a father? What happens if the daddy I have can beat up the daddy the world has? Well, we go from fear to surrender. Well, you're just, uh, you know, here comes all the fear. Like, you can say anything you want about me, but my dad can beat up your dad no matter what you say. 
You know, it's like, it's like being a Michigan fan and the Bowling Green fans are talking about how bad your team is. If you're a Bowling Green fan, I, just look at the left side and deal with it, all right? What about worry? Well, worry becomes no worry. Why? Because whatever's waiting for me in the future, God is also waiting for me in that moment. It, it, worry doesn't diminish tomorrow of its problems. It just robs today of its life. So I'm going to live in this moment with Jesus. When I get to that moment, Jesus will still be with me and eliminates worry. Hoarding becomes forgiveness. Can I just say this to you guys? Hear me. Justice in our current state of understanding demands someone lose. Forgiveness demands that the Father wins. If we want one side or the other to be defeated, yeah, I get that, light versus darkness and all this kind of stuff. But forgiveness, forgiveness wants everybody to win. And so we ask God for his perfect will and we trust him to do what is best. But we forgive. Why? Because we have a daddy. I don't have to fight the wars of every injustice. Why? Because I have a just God who's made promises concerning me. Right? Anger becomes peace. That really used to tick me off, but now, <laughs> now I have a God. I'm sorry. I, I have a king. I'm sorry. I have a father. I'm sorry. I have a friend. And whatever would make me afraid enough, jealous enough, insecure enough to make me angry, he is greater than all of those things. So I get to walk in peace. Why? Because I got a daddy. Well, your daddy's, uh, you can say anything you want. I mean, just, I'm not going to stand next to you when you do, but my daddy's daddy, you know? Manipulation becomes trust. I don't need to manipulate circumstances because my God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I don't have to be the, the puppet master pulling every string and have to remember what I said to everybody to make everybody happy. Everybody sad, or everybody wrong, or everybody right. I can just relax and breathe the clean, fresh air of being God's child. I love it. Stealing. I don't have to steal. I got a provider. Dishonesty. I have the truth. You know, does this shirt make me look fat again? No, it's not the shirt. It's the pattern on the shirt. What were you thinking I was saying? Right? Rebellion. Like, why, we, why do we rebel? We rebel because I can't trust authority. I, I have to, I mean, I'll, I'll park where I want to park. I'll pay what I want to pay. I'll do what I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. Why? Because I'm afraid that you're going to take away the only thing that I have left in my life, which is control. But if God is in control, you don't have to be a rebel. You can trust God and walk in submission to what he said. By the way, his word will tell us to do some things sometimes. You know, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence has some pretty rebellious things, but they clearly lay out in a scriptural case why they're, they're not rebelling against the king. They decided to make themselves independent, emancipate themselves from the abuse. In other words, they knew in their hearts they were free, and if the king is going to become their master, they said, we have no master but Jesus. You're not allowed to do that, right? Insecurity becomes secure. Why? Because, you know, I might have been the fat kid with the glasses that got picked last in kickball. But when God looked at the planet and chose sons, he pointed at me. So I'm not the fat kid with the glasses. I'm the chosen child of God whom he adopted in love and predestined for the things that I get to do now. Need for control becomes worship. And I don't, I don't mean like, what, is, what does that mean? I mean this. Hear me, and I hope that this hits you in the right way because it, it means so much to me. The day that I consciously resigned from being God, my provider, my redeemer, my protector, my reality. The day I resigned from being that and became his was a day of great joy 
and it continues to be a day of great joy as I continue to worship the one who has it all under control. And I just say it to you because I think sometimes, man, you're just, we talk about spinning plates in a good way. Let me talk about, let's just talk about juggling then. I got three balls and then I got, I got four and I got seven and, I, and then things start to just fall apart. That, that is the reality of that life. Guys, you are not created to live this way. Lyndon, hear me. You were not created to live this way. Grand Blank, you were not created to live this way. I know you're first responders and combat soldiers and EMTs, and, but you weren't created to live that way. If you have to harden your heart to do what you're doing, there's a good chance you're doing it wrong. If you have to colonize and create silos and tribes to believe what you believe, there's a good chance there's something greater to believe beyond that, that it would require listening, and sometimes our fears just want us to talk, right? An orphan, a son. But does Paul stop there, by the way? This is where he plants the pole vault stick, isn't it? He goes from saying, well, if you're, if you're adopted, you know, you're not an orphan, you're not a slave, you're adopted. And then he goes on to this next thing called being heirs. Um, how many of you guys give me an idea like five more minutes? Is that okay to do this in five minutes? That's gonna put me about three minutes over, which is about 10 minutes earlier than normal. Okay, look at this. So in heirs, what happens to fear? Understand this, let me just, let me just back this up for a second. Fear is, is bad, like you have to play defense because you don't have a father. But surrender, you have a father and you're at peace. How many of you guys know there's more than peace in the Christian life? Think about that. How many of you guys know there's more than just peace in the Christian life? Oh, I finally have peace. Good. From peace, we are to do some things. And that is to live fearlessly. What used to terrify me is now exciting to me. Why? Because I have a daddy. I, I played defense because I didn't have a daddy. I was at peace because I had a daddy. And now I play offense because I want to be like my daddy. Let me say that again because you didn't write it down and it's really good. I used to play defense because I didn't have a daddy. When I got a daddy, I got peace. But now I play offense. Why? Because I want to be like my daddy. And he invades darkness. And he heals broken bodies. And he casts out demons. And he brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. And I don't want to sit back in my peace watching others continue to live on the left side of this column. I want to be fearless as I go to them with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he'll forgive their sins, adopt them as his children, and create in them the spirit of being a son and an heir. Amen? Worry becomes, no worry becomes contentment. You know, but what if you need three or more of those in the earth and the world and the shortage and the, come on, just be honest. By a show of hands, how many of us, me included, hoarded toilet paper sometime in the last five years? The hand of shame, right? How many of you guys thought ramen noodles, you know, I'd rather die, but let's just eat as many of them as we can. We'll stock them because they last forever and the rats won't eat them, right? But what if we're just content? I'm not saying we shouldn't store up and be prepared for the world around us. You do whatever God tells you to do. My life may depend on your obedience. But if you do it because of fear, you're doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason in the wrong way. If you do it because you're obedient to the Holy Spirit who said store up food, which he does sometimes in scripture, there's gonna be a need here. Let's get ready to meet that need but if God isn't telling you to meet the need, what are you doing? Well, I'm being wise. So, uh, let's fear for a second. Can I just one more minute? You gave me five. I'm asking for six now. Is that okay? Okay, hear me. Is fear my master, isn't it? I don't know. When God tells you to do something, do you check with fear to see if it's okay? If you do, it has an inappropriate place in your heart. Mike. Hoarding becomes forgiveness. Forgiveness becomes merciful. I don't care who wins. I just care that, that God is seen clearly. 
I don't want justice. I want mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Anger becomes peace. Peace becomes peacemaker. You know who the peacemakers are? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll have arrows in their chest and bullets in their back. If you stand between warring factions today, you, you should be prepared to take a beating from both sides because if you're not us, you're them. But they'll know you're like your daddy when you do what your daddy does. When you bring peace and you make peace where there isn't any, not, not because one side's right and one side's wrong, but because Jesus is right and he commanded us to love, you're a peacemaker. One of the hardest things you'll ever have to do, and yet it shows Christ so clearly. Manipulation becomes trust. Trust becomes obedience. Stealing, I have no need for stealing. Piano guy, join me if you would. Uh, stealing, I have no need. So I, I can be generous. Why? Because I'm, I'm advancing. I'm playing offense, right? Dishonesty becomes truth. Truth becomes prophecy. I've been doing that, that joke, but someone who doesn't want any controversy in their life, they say, hey, you know, um, does this shirt maybe look fat? Well, they just create a new reality to not have any conflict. They'll say what you want to hear. Like, oh, no, that shirt doesn't make you look fat. But say it to a son. This shirt maybe look fat? No, it's not the shirt's fault at all. <laughs> it's the fat, you know? <laughs> but you say it to an heir. Does this shirt maybe look fat? And they'll look deeper inside of you than your skin. And they'll ask you questions about why you would even label yourself one thing or the other. As if the right shape makes you something you're not. This the wrong shape can take away from you what God has given to you. And they'll speak into you, not just to you, into you the reality that God sees when he looks at you. I love Jesus. Rebellion becomes submission. Submission, you know, if you submit to authority, God might actually use you as his delegated authority someday. Isn't that fun? Insecurity becomes security. Security can become faith. Why do you believe that? Because it's in me, man. Because I stopped telling as an orphan my God how big my problems were. As a son, I started telling my problems how big my God was. And now I live that way by faith. And lastly, lastly, you know this need for control becomes worship. We talked about that one. You know what worship becomes when you're an heir? You. The Ephesians 2.10, you. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. Not your imitation of somebody else. Not, not the left side. By the way, can I just say this? Everybody right now, get out your cell phones in church. Everybody, get them out. I'm gonna get out of the way and I want you to take a picture of that. Not with me in it. I don't, I don't know how to get out of it. It's too late. I made it more valuable. You sell it online someday. Listen, I, I think this is a journey, don't you? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I still have reflexes from the orphanage. Cut me off in traffic. I don't reach for mercy. And if I reach for a peacemaker, it's actually a 38 Colt on my hip that, like, right? I'm sorry, it's, it's not, it's not. It's a 45. But that, that, what I'm saying is this. We still have reflexes. Why? Because we lived a long time there. And the world around us still speaks this language, still spends this, this resource, still, still lives under these circumstances. But we're not called to live on the left side of the screen. And we're not called to stop in the middle. We're called to be something for God in this world. And that's, that's, so you can look at it, and I've done this for years. I literally just told my wife, what, about a week or so ago, this is now on my to-do list. At the very top, I have something that helps me in the unity of our marriage where I says, have I spoken to Dina about this? That's the first thing on my to-do list. Have, have, are we in unity? Have we talked about this before I have this appointment or do this thing or say yes to this or I have to say no to other things? Is, have Dina and I discussed this? I've asked her. I brought her in as a consultant almost in my life. Help me 
be the things that God's called me to be. I keep saying yes to things that I'm not. I need to be the things that I'm called to be. And I'm so frustrated. She goes, why do you do them? I'm like, because they asked and I'm nice and I'm, I'm a pastor. And she's, she's not under the same constraints in her giftings as a pastor might be in their heart. I want to help everybody. She's like, the only way you can help more people is by helping the right people. And I'll help you with that. I'm like, yes, ma'am. So that's there. You know what's down beneath all my to-do list is this. And for years, this is what I did. Every day I said, God, don't let me be on the left side of the screen. I observed behaviors that were orphan behaviors. God, forgive me. God, I memorize scriptures not to be that. You know what I do now? I don't even worry about it. I focus on what God's called me to be, not what I used to be. So every day, I've got these confessions I make over myself. I've got these neuron paths I'm burning. Jim Wiegand is fearless because God is his God. Jim Wiegand is content. Why? Because I got Jesus and Dina. Come on. That's a bifecta, right? You know, I'm merciful. Why? Because I've been so stupid and I've been so loved and so forgiven. How can I be otherwise? I know where I've been and I know where, I, where he's leading me, right? Jim Wiegand is a peacemaker, obedient, generous. I, I speak prophetically into people's identity. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I walk in faith because that's who God made me to be. And I'm telling you, this exercise can change your life because when you know who you are, then you will know what to do. So let's just close it this way. If, as you look up here, is there anyone on the left side that kind of stand out to you like, dang, I don't visit there. I got a summer home there. Like, that's my address. Like, my whole world is about manipulation. My whole world is built on lies. I am consumed by fear. If God told me to be obedient to something, I would go to my master fear, and he'd say, no, that's not for you. And I'd go, well, I, I'm praying about it. I'd use some Christian language to get my way out of it. But my master told me no. Can I be generous? I, I don't know. I don't have enough. Right? Can I pray? I don't know. Prayer's pretty confusing, pretty hard. God doesn't hear you anyway. Am I living the life of an orphan when God has made me through Jesus, his son, and called me by his spirit to be an heir? Wherever you're struggling at, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you just to think of that one place. You took a picture of it. It's, it's, let's, just say it's, let's just say it's fear. I want you to memorize every verse that contradicts the fear that comes to your heart. And I want you to do it one at a time. Don't find 47 verses and get overwhelmed. Find one. Here's one for you. It's found a hundred and some times in the Bible. Fear not. Let's just start there. That's a lot of words. I don't know. Fear not. Who said that? God, angels, prophets, apostles. Why? Because fear will never get you to where God is calling you. So let's just start with fear not. If it's anger, you know, how do I deal with anger? I don't know, anger not, whatever. Whatever the version of that is. Worry, don't worry about tomorrow because each day holds enough trouble of its own. That's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter seven, I believe, right? Manipulation, stealing, just it's all there. Listen, it doesn't break God's heart that you stole. It breaks God's heart that you didn't trust him to provide for you. So get to the roots and start to pull those things out, the things we believe that aren't true about who he is and who he's not, what he does and what he doesn't. When you know who he is, you'll know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So find, find that area that needs the touch of God and take it to his word this week. Take it to prayer this week. Repeat it over yourself again and again. I am not a person of fear. I am not a person of, I'm a person of surrender and God is leading me to be a person that is fearless through the Holy Spirit. Just do that. Is that, is that okay? You got that? Is that good? All right. Did you get your money's worth? Even those who didn't tithe, did you get your money's worth today? Good. All right. I'm sorry. Why do I always end something profound with something stupid? It's just my nature, isn't it? Uh, I'm sorry, my nature is to be wise. 
but still, hey, stand up, stand up. Hey, where's the start? Before anybody goes, where's the start? This doesn't start because I, I am fearless. I am content. No, I'm fearless because he is. I, I am content because he has said. I, I am a peacemaker because he values that. In other words, none of these things come to fruition without the right motivation that comes from relationship. We're not, we're not led by the punishment of a slave master. We're called by a loving father to become Without the loving father, those behaviors really don't manifest. It's, it, the righteousness becomes self-righteous. The peace becomes peace until something bigger than you comes along. I have $1,000 in my bank account and a $100 bill that is, it is now due. I have peace. You don't have peace. You have $100 and you got 900 bucks left over. It's, it's when you can live that, when you're going through the things that cause those, that you know something is really happening. When you know you're God, you'll be as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. Would you close your eyes all over this room? I just, I'm going to pray for you real quick, ask you a question, and let you go. Father, I pray that you would reveal the parts of our heart in which you are not yet the master. We're, we're still in charge. We're still the one with the button that we push. We're still the lever that we pull. We're still the yes or no. We open. We close the doors. I pray, God, that you would take us from this position of... Um, of the inferior things that we use to survive to the superior things that you give us to live abundant life. Without you, none of it makes sense. So I pray right now, God, for those that are far distant from you. Lyndon, take off, will you? God bless you, Lyndon, go away. Pastor Jason's gonna take it from right here. Fenton, if you just hold for a moment. Listen, if you're not right with God, I'm not saying you were afraid last week, you were angry last week. I mean, you're not right with God. The covenant of adoption He's done everything on his end. You have to sign the contract too. And as long as you want to save yourself, as long as you want to control yourself, as long as righteousness is what you produce, discipline is what you produce, as long as you don't trust him, I just, let me just say this. If you can't trust him, you can't follow him. So it begins with relationship. Do you see that? Are you in a relationship right now with God and the fruit of that relationship is trust? The fruit of that trust is relationship. If your roots are in the right stuff, the fruit is on its way. But if the roots are in the wrong stuff, fruit is impossible. In the closing moments of the service, if you're here and you're like, Jim, I'm... <sighs> roots, I, the seeds are in my pocket. I haven't even planted. I don't, I don't know. Then may the Holy Spirit right now arrest you with his love. May the Father's arms wrap around you. May you hear his voice, see his face. He's not mad. He's merciful. He's reaching to you. Walk to him. If you're not right with God, then all over this room, come on, just tell him, God, I need you. Say it with your own words. You don't need my words. God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, ah. You know what this world is like, and I don't know what your world is like, so you can understand, but I, I'm, I'm not asking today for understanding. I don't want to live in this world like this anymore. I need a father that will never leave. 
I need a father that will provide for me. I need a father that will give me mercy. I need a father that will show me how to walk and how to talk and how to live all over again. So I surrender the, the former orphaned behaviors and all that, that lack of covenant brought to me. And I, I establish, I say yes to your proposal. I say yes to your covenant. I say, you say, you point your finger at me, I point my finger back at you and I say yes. Today, I belong to God for what Jesus has done for me, the Spirit moving me, I now receive all that you have for me. Salvation, peace, rest, uh, unity. I, God, I receive mercy. I receive it all. Everything in that middle column, it's mine now because you're mine now. And I move towards the left side. I guess it'd be the right side for your way. I move in the, in the right direction, God. I move towards what you've promised me now. Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it. If that's you, just real quick. It's important for me to know what's happening in the room. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I prayed that prayer this morning, I meant that I am now in a covenant or I've renewed a covenant with God. I am his child. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning all over this room? I just wanna see, right on. Yeah, I renewed it, I made it, but I'm in, I'm in, right on. All right, that helps. We're gonna continue this thought next week because I don't think we're done thinking it. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the effect. Go ahead and look up right here for a second. We're gonna talk about the effect we have on each other. You know the best way to really understand the love of God? It's when God loves you through another person. Understand the truth of God? I guess when you hear it on the winds of heaven, that's wonderful, but when you hear it from a trusted friend, it's even at times more effective because you ever been told the truth from two or three or four different people that didn't know each other? And you just knew it wasn't people talking, it was God talking? That happens when we're together. That doesn't happen when we fly apart. So we're gonna talk about the importance next week of coming together. God wants to do big things in big rooms, but God wants to do bigger things in small circles. So next week, come and be prepared for that. I'm gonna teach on it. I'm gonna pastor you on it. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of liking this pastor thing. I might stick around for another couple decades. We'll see, you know. In the meantime, if you need prayer, altar workers are coming forward to pray for you. Any need you have. Uh, I believe Pastor Ian is back in the guest area, the guest room, that back corner. Wait and answer any questions. Oh, we got our, our first thing, steps. So there is no guest room. Oh, there, if only there was a large sign that told me exactly what was left. Yeah, go out the doors, turn to the left. You'll see the, the next gen auditorium. Let's walk this out together, guys. You're not gonna get there alone, amen? So may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine on you. May he lift up his countenance on you every time you look to heaven. May you not see a scowling slave master, but a smiling king. May you walk with the confidence that only he can bring in your life as you go from being an orphan, a slave, to a son, a daughter, to an heir. That's God's will for your life. This is the word of the Lord. So we say amen. 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 Get out of here unless you want to come this way. You're dismissed.